Hi, this is Pat Powell from the Melbourne Scar Orchestra and Dancing in the Shadows of Motown. And when I'm in Melbourne, I go out of my way to spend time with Tina at Definitive Breaks on Radio Karam. Hello and hi everyone. Welcome along to Definitive Breaks. I'm Tina and you're tuned into Radio Karen. On today's show, I'm so excited to have a special guest coming to you live. Um, I can't actually believe you're here. We have American frontman who's best known as the guitarist and lead singer of the group rock group Everclear, Art Alexakis. Welcome. And welcome, and thank you for not butchering my, my last name. No. It takes a Greek girl to do that, exactly. right? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Welcome to the show. Thanks um, for joining us all the way here. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah, great. Yeah, no, it's great. The weather's really nice. Um, you know, we were we started up north in Queensland. It's hot. We went up to Townsville. It's really hot and humid. It's almost like you have to swim when you're walking um but this is uh this is nice and we're staying in melbourne i love melbourne it's 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 great being you know it's great being in the south and we're halfway done with this tour this is the biggest tour we've ever done in um australia it's the biggest tour i've ever heard about really 17 dates people don't usually do that i heard you were gonna do it longer no 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 a month no it is a month Mm. We're here a month. Mm. We're here a month. We got four. Sh- we have four shows on, two days off, five on, three off, four on, three off, four on. Go. You're jam packed. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I like to work. I'm getting older, so it's nice. You know, I, I want to. I want to do as much as I can before I die. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, you're here to talk to us about the band's 30th anniversary tour. Yeah. Uh, your newly released and remastered debut album, World of Noise, which is on digital platforms for the first time ever. And you have a new single called Year of the Tiger as well. Well, it came out last year. so oh, It's new to you guys. <laughs> it's new down here. Yeah. yeah. And not to mention you're here to play a song for us as well. Absolutely. We've got lots to talk about. Sure. Um, so you've just um, toured North America and the UK as well throughout... 2022 yeah absolutely and now you've brought your 30th anniversary tour to australia so congratulations as well for your 30th anniversary tour that means means i'm really old (laughs) because i started the band when i was 30 so if you do the math it gets ugly (laughs) on a scale of one to ten how is life you know feeling for you so far it's i'd say it's seven or eight pretty much every day you know you know, I, I, I'm sure you know, I, I, I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis about six years ago. And, uh, you know, after having COVID in 2021, um, it was it was kind of rough. Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm on good medication, good protocol. And I feel good, you know. I mean, like anyone, I have my bad days. and But most days are good. And I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm sober. I've got great group i've got a great job i get to sing play rock and roll for a living and i'm 60 years old and 
got a wonderful wife and daughter and I'm blessed. Aww. And I just I just I just you know, when I don't feel good I just have to take a take a minute to give myself a check and remember how good I got it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, some days are harder, you know. Wow. But so was it a shock finding out you had MS? Yes, yes, yes. It was. I I uh I'd been having the light symptoms. I just figured I was getting older. You know, I was getting bad walking and balance and mm-hmm. um, lack of sleep and fatigue. And I figured, you know, I was just getting getting older. And I had lived a pretty hard life when I was younger, so I figured that was just the results of that. Mm-hmm. But then um, I got in a car accident, and no one got hurt. But uh, about two weeks later, I got a twitch in my neck just like a pinched nerve and I called my uh, my doctor and he's like I'll set you up for an MRI go get the MRI come in and when I went in they uh, there was like five guys in his little examination room at neurologist and they were like you've got MS and I walked out to my car and I called mm-hmm. my wife and told her and we both started crying because oh. it was scary mm-hmm. I mean I didn't know what it was I kn- I, I knew what it was, but I didn't know what it. Most people don't know what it was. I, for all I knew, Jerry Lewis had a telethon for it, and that was yes. That's muscular dystrophy, but you know, I just it sounded like a death sentence. And then when I got home, my wife had like three computers out. It looked like she was trying to like hack into Fort Knox. <laughs> you know, that's where that's where we in the United States where we keep all the gold, right? And she was like, she's like, we got this. Yes. It's going to be okay. Yes. And so, yeah, we've. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of people at my back, and um, I just go out there and put myself out there every day. You sound pretty positive about it. Yeah, well, I don't have a choice. It's either that or give up. And I'm. I wasn't taught to give up. My mom, if anything, my mom. I was raised by a single mom, mm-hmm. and uh, she taught me perseverance and tenacity, and uh, that's that's got me through. Um, you know, a little bit of talent, but mostly mm-hmm. perseverance and tenacity. Wow, yeah. wow. Um, I hear that um, this is your 10th time you've come to Australia. I believe so, yeah. If I count backwards, yeah, I think so. Wow, and um, you were here three years ago, um, right. and, and I heard you nearly got stuck here Almost just before. Four days before you guys locked the doors. <laughs> We saw it coming during the tour. We saw, it, you know, it was, things were going to China, and then that flight coming to, to the Australia got diverted to an island. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and it was just like, and then, and then, just as we were leaving, Tom Hanks and his wife came down with COVID in Australia, and we're like, oh no, we we got we got family, you know. My Freddie, my bass player, had a pregnant pregnant fiance pregnant partner and he had since had he has a daughter beautiful girl who she likes me better than anybody um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have to say that because it really pisses off freddie but uh <laughs> um you know we were i was frightened i had a 12 year old at home uh-huh. at the time and boy i'm glad i got home because um covid lockdown um it was bad in the states, but was I heard, it? It was bad. I think it was worse here, especially in Victoria. Mm. It was rough, huh? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. really like 
harder. I think I just kept reading about like it's just really, really severe, and uh, it's it's really hard. It was really hard on um, adolescents. Yes, they need to be sociable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of their makeup, and when they can't be, they just she got depressed and anxious and. You know, got diagnosed with ADHD, and her wow. and all her friends who were just normal, happy kids mm-hmm. before were that they all got medication and therapy. But now <coughs> they're all in high school and they're doing really well. Oh wow! Yeah, they're doing really well. Great. So, great. so you were on the um, Hotter Than Hell tour. Oh, yeah, the Hotter Than Hell tour. We did four shows, and I'm really glad we did that tour. It was a lot of fun, and it. I think. It helped this tour, you know. It, it helped bring our profile back because, you know, back in the '90s, we did really well in Australia. Mm-hmm. It was outside of the United States. It was our biggest market, mm. and um, it was uh, that in Canada, probably neck and neck. And it was, uh, you know, over the years, I think a lot of people didn't know that we were still around, and I think mm-hmm. that tour brought a lot of attention and spotlight to us because this tour right here is doing even better our numbers are through the roof Mm. and uh it's and the crowds have just been really enthusiastic it's been a lot of fun wow so when you're touring do you get to see much of the the cities that you play in sometimes i used to do more stuff i mean last time we were here we went to a wildlife thing okay and i had a koala climbing up (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know this time it's not like you can go to any gigs or anything like that you're probably not interested in that now no no. (laughs) that's like going to work yeah and plus I'm sober I've been sober 30 almost 34 years you know going if I'm gonna go see a band I go see a band I just I don't go to hang out yeah that's right all of us are married or have partners that's right kids and you know we there's no place for us in those bars Mm mm-hmm Wow. And, and I remember because back in the day, I did a lot of that in Australia. Yes. <laughs> come to Karam. Huh? You come to Karam. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You've come to Karam. Yes, yeah. you, d- you have now. So, um, since forming in 1992, Everclear has enjoyed, like, you know, a really len- lengthy career 11 studio releases, you know, including four that have been certified gold and platinum, selling over 6 million records. Yeah. And a Grammy nomination. Actually, that number is not correct. It sold over <laughs> eight million records. Oh wow! Okay, that's so that, six million. It's actually six point eight million in the states, mm-hmm. and worldwide, it's it's well over eight, like eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it is right here, because we would be platinum there, and we would be triple platinum here. Okay. So even though it's smaller numbers because of the per capita, you know, the population. <laughs> <coughs> right. I'd say we were we were more popular here. When we first came here in 95, 96, we got off the airplane in Sydney and there was like 500 people at the airport. Oh, really? With signs and screaming. It was like the like we were the mini Beatles. Wow. <laughs> I I mean we'd never seen anything like that before. We we're like, wow. Yes. We oh. like Australia. Oh, that's nice. That's great. So, can I ask? So, how did Everclear come about? Like, how did the band start up? Because you were in a few bands before that. Yeah. Um, well, um, you know, I was 
just turned 30 years old. I just moved out of Los Angeles, or San Francisco, rather, to uh, Portland. My girlfriend was from Portland, and mm-hmm. she was expecting our uh, our daughter, our my eldest daughter, mm-hmm. Anna, who's going to be who's 30 now, going to be 31. And um, we moved to Portland because it was cheaper and, um, you know, I was going to start one more band and that was going to be it. And if it didn't fly, mm-hmm. I was going to end up probably moving to L.A. and get a job at a record label and write songs for other people and, you know, try to run a, a record label and pursue world domination that way. Um, but... Um, you know, the the timing was right, and I met the right guys, and we uh, I put an ad in the paper, and uh, we uh, the guys I got weren't great at first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took some work, but um, we got a chance to make a uh, go in and do some recording about six months after we started, and we had twelve songs, and um, I traded a couple of effects, a digital delay and a reverb unit for uh, 40 hours of recording time. And we recorded our what became our first record, World of Noise, mm-hmm. which we made for about $400 in trade. And um, a lot of people say stuff like that, but it, this is really true. Mm-hmm. And uh, that started it for us. That got us invited to some festivals mm-hmm. and got a lot of write-ups about us in the Northwest and the West Coast. And it, we just built from there and two years later we got signed to Capitol Records uh, which is a division of EMI and uh, we made Sparkle and Fade this record right here mm. um, and uh, the rest is kind of history you know? mm. wonderful so you've just uh, been celebrating the 30th anniversary of World of Noise right. um, the deluxe edition a remastered issue and it's right. all on digital platforms for the first time right. Does it sound better than you know when it came out in 1994? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what happened is uh, we had, I made the record, and I mean, you know, the, it was kind of lo-fi. We didn't do it to be cool like a lot of bands will do lo-fi stuff to be mm-hmm. cool. We did it because we couldn't afford anything else. <laughs> and uh, uh, when we got signed to Capital, part of the deal was well they wanted me to give them my record and I'm like I'm not giving it to you we've already sold 100,000 copies of it mm. I'll license it to you for 5 years and uh they remastered it without without me when I was on tour which they weren't supposed to do really but uh yeah and it was very thin sounding mm-hmm. and uh so I had to live with that for a while and then it went out of print 5 years later and this is before there was any digital platforms. This is 1999. Mm-hmm. And we were busy because we had, like, right in the middle of doing three or four multi-platinum records. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I was thinking about was World of Noise. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, you know, people that bugged me to put it on social platforms, and and uh, I just didn't like the sound of it. And then just early last year, me and my bass player, Freddie Herrera, were going through uh, my storage unit and we found a trunk that I thought, had th- I'd seen it over the years, and uh, I thought it belonged to my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. 
but it was actually full of Everclear tapes, and we found the master tapes for it. So I took them in, and when oxide tapes get old, you have to bake them okay. and clean them. Have you heard of that, where they actually like they bake them? No. In a convection oven. Convection oven. And slow, slowly, and then you play it, and you bounce it down to digital, and then we mastered it, and it just... It sounds to me significantly better. There's a lot more low end. There's a lot more mid range. It's not as monochromatic as the the capital version. So I'm a lot happier with it. And we found a bunch of other songs that had never been released. So we put that in the 30th anniversary package as well. How excited were you when you found I, I, that I, I was treasure trove? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of tapes in there. A lot of wow, wow. Even tapes that don't belong to me, but don't tell, <laughs> don't tell Capital. <laughs> so, where did um, the title of the album come from? World of Noise. Um, two places, really. Well, first of all, there was a rate. There was a, a music store. The main reason I called it World of Noise is because we couldn't afford new tubes for my amp so there's a lot of squealing feedback all over the record and um it is cuz i couldn't afford new tubes mm-hmm. and we my my amp would get hot and it start sparking like blue sparks and i have to turn it off and then we got a bag of ice and put it on top of it to cool it off which is, in hindsight was a really bad idea ice and elect- electrical not a good mix, but um, you know, we turn it off, let it cool off, and turn it on. I do a guitar take um, before it starts squealing again. So that's where we really got world of noise. Wow! Wow! Oh, sounds all fantastic. Um, so you also have a song that you released uh, last November called "Year of the Tiger." Right. Yeah. So Can you expand on the sure. lyrics of that song? Sure. Well, Year of the Tiger came about, um, the Chinese calendar, Mm -hmm. um, last year was Year of the Tiger. I was born in the Year of the Tiger in 1962. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's every 12 years, so that makes sense, right? Because I was 60, so um, I, it just, it's an, it's just, it's a song about just post-COVID, post-Trump America, Mm -hmm. and how divided it is, and how... Um, I think a lot of people are really just tired of playing nice with people who mm. don't make sense and who are just divisive. You know, I mean, we can all think differently, but we got to figure out a way to compromise. Mm-hmm. And there's no compromise right now. And so it's, it's kind of an angry, um, you know, I thought it was more of a protest song. A friend of mine's like, not a protest song, man. You're, you're 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 trying to pick a fight. Yeah, you're pretty angry. <laughs> you're picking a fight. Oh, I've always been angry and political. <laughs> I wrote a song called "Jesus Was a Democrat." Oh, I mean, if that's not going to piss people off, I don't know what is. Oh. But um, I uh, especially in my country. But you know, um, the next song we have another single coming out mm-hmm. in about four or five months that we just finished recording. And they're mixing right now. It's called Sing Away. And it's very different. It's it's about teenage suicide. Okay. And which I haven't been through knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I uh I have friends, I know people who have. Mm-hmm. And just 
just reading about kids getting bullied online. Yes. It's just online. It's heartbreaking mm. as wow. a parent. So that's what that song. It's called "Sing Away." Sing away. And we're, we're putting out a live record that we're just finishing up our first row live record um, that should be out. They're saying June, but we have a tour, a U.S. tour in August, September, and a little bit of October, or September, October. And uh, I'm hoping they push it back a couple months so that it correlates with that. But that's going to have the two new songs on it, Ear of the Tiger and Sing Away as well. Will you be playing a lot of your old tracks at the gigs? That's all we play. Great. We'll 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 play Ear of the Tiger. Yes. We'll play Ear of the Tiger, but... But yeah, we play the hits. Mm-hmm. I get, I get very frustrated with bands that don't play their hits. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's rude. It's disrespectful, not just to the fans, but to the songs themselves, and 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 not respecting what those songs did for you, your life and your mm-hmm. career. You know, my songs have been very good to me. They've been good. They fans. have been. They bought me houses and divorces, <laughs> <laughs> and all manner of good things. Yes. Well, so the Sparkle and Fade was huge here in 94. Yeah. Um, it 90, was... 96. A, Actually, 95. Was it? Yeah, it came out in 95. Okay. Well, it was a mainstream um, success. Yes. Um, I can even remember when I was... When I bought that album, when it came out, I, you know, moved out of home for the first time and I lived with three girlfriends and we were renting this house on the beach and I loved that album. So not only... The weekend that just passed, I went to my friend's birthday and they had karaoke and um, Santa Monica came up oh. and there were people on stage singing Santa Monica at this party on the weekend. Yeah. It was great. It was a moment. Well, if you come to our and show, I kept you... thinking, oh, my God. Well, if you come to our show, you're going to see people on stage singing Santa Monica. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. Awesome. So, um, how did you come up with the song um, Santa Monica? Like the lyrics, especially, um, we can live beside the ocean, leave the fire behind, you know, swim up past the breakers, you know, watch the world die. Mm. Like, how could you think of that? That kind of punk rock romance, Mm. um, romanticizing the end of the world. Um, Well, I was living in Portland, Oregon, where the band Everclear was from, and we had, unlike a lot of bands in the 90s that had a big hit they they were signed for that hit they had that song mm-hmm. and they were signed because of that we didn't even have that song yet when we got signed i, I wrote it i wrote it later um we got signed in june went on tour june july came home uh rented a new house my girlfriend uh partner who became my second wife she, we finally had money, and I'm like, go get a house. Get, <laughs> you get whatever you want, but get me a basement for my for the band. That's right. And um, we uh, we went in there and started writing songs. And I would write songs at night after I put my two year old to bed. Go out on the patio. It was summertime. Go out on the patio and write songs. And then um, during the day, the boys would come over and we'd bang it out in the, in the um, basement. And it was, um, you know, Santa Monica was about comfort zones. It was, uh, I was suffering really badly at the time from anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. And uh, about, before I left on that tour, 
me and my wife and my daughter went to the coast for the weekend just to have a little bit of a holiday. And when I got closer to the ocean, a lot of my anxiety went away. It was Mm -hmm. like, wow. You know, I don't know if it was like a psychological thing or a chemical thing or whatever. But as we started heading back to Portland, the anxiety started coming back. And I just wrote this song about comfort zones. And and one of my comfort zones was where I grew up, was in Santa Monica, California, which is a, a city on the on the coast, on the west side of LA, mm-hmm. of Los Angeles. And uh, it was funny because when I wrote that song um, and recorded it, the people at Capitol were like, well, but you don't say Santa Monica anywhere in the song. Can you go in and put put a line in that says Santa Monica? I go, no. no. <laughs> Absolutely. I like laughed at the president of Capitol. He's like, well, we're going to call it Watch the World Die. I go, you can call it whatever you want to call it. On the record, it's going to be called Santa Monica. And, right. And that, because that's my comfort zone. And it was also kind of an acknowledgement to, you know, my hometown. And something really exciting two years later after it was a big hit and we did a big tour, we played, we had a choice to play three or four venues in LA mm-hmm. that were big. And I opted for the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, which a lot I had seen, God, so many bands, The Cars, Cheap Trick, mm-hmm. um, Jethro Tull, Black Sabbath, you know, growing up. And I was always the rush, you know, I was always like, I want to play there. Mm-hmm. And I've got a picture somewhere, and I can't find it anymore, but we took a picture of me standing out in front of the Civic Auditorium, mm-hmm. It was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, actually. And, I um, love Frank yeah, Lloyd Wright. So, so I have I. a big picture in my yeah. lounge room of him. Of falling water. Of falling water. Oh. Have you been there? No. I've been to falling water three times. I've been. To, I used to. We tour, and I would go look at his houses. Really? Oh yeah, I was a big fan. It, it sits in my lounge room. It's massive. It's yeah. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful. <laughs> I'd like place. to go one day. And you should. You should. It's it's a hard it's hard to get to. It's out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, but um, I uh, I uh, yeah. There's a sign where it says Everclear, Santa Monica Civic sold out, and it was a big deal. That was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, I find um, living near water is calming. Like it's nice having the beach. Close it to is. You. I think there's some sort of ionic kind of like. You know, like there, there's there's something in the air that that you either if you grow up around water, you, you feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's I I don't know what I'm not a scientist. I don't know the technical <laughs> term of it, but that's what that song was about. With comfort zones, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't autobiographical necessarily, but it it was based on something that I was going through and feeling. Mm-hmm. And I just created characters around it. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Thank you. Um, the song, can I talk about um, the song Heroin Girl? Like, it, it became a Triple J hit here. Oh, in, that was in, a huge hit here. Yeah, in 95. Um, yeah. It sort of landed in the top 10 um, in the Hottest 100s, and you had six songs appearing, four consecutive Hottest 100s countdown here. Have you heard of the Hottest 100 I countdown? Think- no, but I, I'm. I, is that on Triple J or? Yes, yes. Okay. They're the CDs there. Okay. 
Are we on this? Can you see yourself? <laughs> Somewhere in there. There so, we are. Yeah, you're very popular. Right down at the bottom. No. <laughs> no, Everclear songs remain like on radio stations and pub playlists around the world. Yeah. No, yeah. Th- this, that, uh, Santa Monica heroin girl, well, heroin girl here. I mean, heroin girl was our first single, <coughs> excuse me, in the United States, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, only 15 markets played it. And in those 15 markets, it was the number one song. But there's, you know, this, the United States, there's a lot of, like, religious aspects in the, the southern mm-hmm. United States and the Midwest. And a lot of places wouldn't play it because it had the word heroin in yes. it. Even though it's an avowed anti-drug song, it's talking about an overdose as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, they uh, just didn't like it. And that's a song... That's not necessarily autobiographical, mm-hmm. but I take it from different periods. I had a friend that was living with a heroin a girl who was a heroin, heroin dealer. Mm-hmm. We used to go over to her house a lot. My brother died of an overdose. That line in it where it goes, I heard a policeman said, uh, just another overdose. Oh, my okay. mom was at the, uh, when my brother died of an overdose when he was 21, I was 12, 1974. And uh, my mom was at the, uh, the morgue to identify my brother and there was a police over in the corner I was just a oh, stupid kid just another oh, overdose I just want to cry and my mom just <laughs> my mom just walked up to the guy and goes that's that's not another overdose that's, that's my, my son. little that's my baby yeah that's my little boy and apparently the, co- the cop just broke down and started crying oh, yeah, apologizing okay. so you know, I take things, mm-hmm. I, I write three different types of songs. Some are autobiographical, Father of Mine, I'll mm-hmm. Buy You a New Life. There's, I'd say about a third are autobiographical. And then another third are like Heroin Girl in Santa Monica, where I take uh, situations from my life or that I know about, and I just create a composite character within that and create a story from that. And then there's some songs that I just... I just write. They were mm-hmm. just, I just write. And um, if people have problems being able to pick which one is which, I'm doing my, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. You know, it, a song cannot can be as real as uh, autobiographical song if the subject matter is real and the presentation is real and it connects. It's real, mm-hmm. whether it's you know it really happened in real life or not, and um, I've 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 enjoyed doing that. You know, I, I like being a songwriter. Mm. Can I just ask you about local god? Yeah, that's on a Baz Luhrmann soundtrack. Yeah, you know, did did you actually speak with Baz about that? I or? did, I did. Okay, so I met him at the premiere. Yeah, yeah. No, he he asked us to be on it because he had heard. Santa Monica and, and you know he's an Australian guy mm-hmm. and he had heard that and the guy doing the record was a hip hop guy named Nelly okay, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and yeah. Nelly didn't want us on the record <laughs> oh really want, yeah he didn't want us on the record Nelly he wouldn't, <laughs> I don't know if he'd say that now where's Nelly now right that's but, right but um, he was very hip at the time and uh, we we submitted the song and Nelly's like oh god it's stupid they're saying you know, be my Romeo, and it's so obvious. And yeah. and Baz Luhrmann's like, you don't get it. Hmm. 
this is an analogy. This is this is satire. Yeah, you don't get it. And Baz is like, and he came over to us at the. Uh, uh, now Baz Luhrmann wasn't the big famous guy that everybody knew him. I mean, Not then. He was known for Strictly Ballroom. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing he did, and, mm-hmm. and a couple other uh, yeah. uh, Australian things. Yeah. But that was the, Strictly Ballroom was the only one that people in the states bigly knew about. Yeah. So him getting to do that movie and being able to do what he did with it was was amazing. That's it's my favorite song of yours. Just local God. It's a great mm. Saturday night song. <laughs> yeah, that's your Saturday night. Song. Yeah. Okay. You know what's funny is that, uh, and I t- I talk about this on stage during this tour. Is uh, so we got asked to do it capital put that record out the soundtrack mm-hmm. all over worldwide EMI did and because of the success of Sparkling Fade we negotiated my management negotiated a really incredible deal from that one song on the record and it sold like 8 million records yeah. worldwide yeah. and we made more money on that one song than we did on that record really, really? because of the deal right <laughs> okay. yeah and it, which you know we earned it, you know. It did, but it did. But it wasn't going to be a single in the states. I knew it wasn't going to be a single. Garbage, and then the pop songs were singles. And so we came down to Australia. And no one had told me that it was getting just smashed on the radio, yeah. both at Triple J and Triple M mm-hmm. down here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we get here, and the president of EMI comes to sound check, and he's looking at it. He goes, "Where's the local God, mate?" I'm like. I'm not playing that song. <laughs> That's a soundtrack, so I'm not playing that song. He goes, yeah, you are. He goes, it's a big hit. And he, and he gave me a ride back to the hotel, and he turned on Triple J, and they played Local Guy. Like, okay. And you're so, playing it now. No, we, we, I went back to the gig, and we we, we practiced it. Yeah. We, weren't, we weren't playing it. We didn't really know how to play it. We I see it. you're doing it now, though. Oh, yeah, we do it every show. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> And especially in Australia, yeah, we have uh, to. But we've been doing it a lot. It's it's a pretty popular song. Uh, mm-hmm. great, in the great riff you got there. Yeah. Thanks. Like it, so. Yeah. Oh no, we're we're playing it for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, if people go on our social media and ask us to play a song, if we know how to play it, we will play it. Okay. Yeah. Good we always do. I, I. Yeah. I mean, people were like bands who were like trying to be hipper than, uh, you know, like hip. By saying no, I'm an artist and I just want to do my new music. I go, then you're an idiot. You're an artist. That's debatable. But you being an idiot's not debatable. Exactly. I mean, you gotta. I'm grateful that people want to hear my music. Mm. Mm. And if I didn't like playing the songs, I do something else. You know, mm. I've, I've got. I've, I've, I could be a life coach, alcohol, drugs. Cert- I'm mm-hmm. certified to work with people in recovery. I do that, mm-hmm. which I do do on the side, but, yes, you know, I don't have to do this. I do this because I love it. So, um, you also recorded a, a solo album. I did. Called Sun Songs. Yep. And record, it was released in 2019, like four months before COVID. Not four or five months before COVID. And uh, that was... Uh, I wrote a song called Hot Water Test. It became mm-hmm. the, the single off the record, which was about the my MS. Because mm-hmm. up to that time, I hadn't been public about it. Family and friends knew about it, and 
I talk to people about it, and I go to, uh, you know, MS Society mm-hmm. meetings and stuff like that, and I was open. But uh, so I wasn't hiding it. I just wasn't. I didn't talk about it in the press, and I wrote when I knew that song was coming out. Mm-hmm. I figured I'd I write a letter to my fans and uh, put it on our social media, and it went viral. And I ended up doing like TV shows and mm-hmm. uh, big interviews with Rolling Stone and Variety and and uh, just talking about it. Mm, spreading awareness. Yeah. So every show you do, $1 from every ticket goes to the MS Society? MS Society, it's split between the MS Society and an organization called Sweet Relief, uh-huh. which is, it, it, which actually... Um, does a lot of the same things the MS Society do, does, but their money goes straight to like people who are suffering from MS that are musicians or um, somehow connected to the music industry. Mm-hmm. There's an organization called Music Cares that I do a lot of work with as well, and they they deal with people in recovery, you know, drug, you know, alcohol and drug mm-hmm. rehabilitation. So. That's that's kind of where my heart lays, is mm. working on those three things. Mm. So going back to um, your solo album, are you motivated to do any other solo albums? No. No, fair enough. I don't, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I have no urge to make another album. Like doing a song every six months or a year, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. But I just, going in and spending a year of my time and making an album where, Especially in these days where most people don't buy albums. Yeah. Um, and it's not even that. It's just, I've done I've yes. done it 10, 11 times. I don't... You don't need to do it again. I don't really feel the need. That could change. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it the door open as far as a caveat of, like, if I change my mind, I really want to make a record. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But I think it's this much possible. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not very, very, very small possibility. Mm-hmm. Right now, I just... It's fun touring. It's... I you know I I spend a lot of time at home with my wife and my daughter. Mm-hmm. My daughter's a teenager in high school, and uh, you know we don't have her for very much longer before she goes to college mm-hmm. and starts her own life and mm. basically kicks us to the curb and abandons <laughs> us. You know, just wants to do our own which thing, which is what kids do. That's right. How, how do you go with long flights now? Huh? How do you go with long flights? Do you you getting used to them? Or? No. I hate you still hate them because yeah. I'm going to America this year. You are, and and you know. it's 14 hours. I know. Oh, you're <laughs> on a big tour. Flying to LA. We're stopping at Fiji, so that's something. But I mean, you know, really, it's going to be long. Wow. Just, just yeah, long. I've never, I've never done that since I've been coming over. It's always been direct. I've never stopped. Yeah. Should I, stop off for a holiday somewhere. I, I, well, going <laughs> the first time we went down, and on the way back, uh, we stopped in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, that was nice. But it's, um it's just a drag. You know, it's a drag. It's just it is what it is. And with the MS, it's you know, it, it sucks. Yeah. It, it's hard to get comfortable. Plus I've got I had a double spinal fusion twenty seventeen, so I've got titanium rods and oh, screws shit. in my back. So you go off at the airport? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Okay. You know what's what's funny is I think they changed the machines when I first got it done. Oh, I go through that machine. And you could see, like, right in my spine, yellow. They're like, "What? Do you do you have something concealed, sir?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's concealed in my spine." But uh, 
I uh, for some reason it doesn't show up anymore. That's good. Mm. Uh, so on the album Sun Songs, there's a song called "House with a Pool." <laughs> do you have a house with a pool now? I do. <laughs> I do, which is ironic because it's kind of a it's a sociological, uh, sociopolitical um, kind of take on people in California and mm-hmm. the whole mentality of like everybody's aspiring for some sort of status, and part of that status is a house with a pool. And uh, but to be fair, uh, when we bought this house, and we we were either going to get a house with a pool or a house with room to put a pool in, and mm-hmm. we put a pool in because with my MS, it's the only exercise I can do mm-hmm. that I don't get overheated. I can swim, and swimming is great exercise. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I have the pool. But you know, it's cool having a pool too, mm-hmm. and especially after COVID, the the property value having a pool just (laughs) skyrocketed skyrocketed so it's we bought our house for like 1.1 and we got an offer about five months ago for 2.2 and i'm like and people are like did you take it and i'm like where am i gonna live (laughs) everybody else's houses are expensive now too no i love my house my wife's like we're not moving (laughs) No, we're never moving. Aww. It's like The Shining. <laughs> We've always been here. We'll always be here. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, we're. I love where I live. Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, so I also wanted to ask you: in 2008, the band traveled to Iraq to support the troops. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Or how did you? How did you get? Well, we got asked to that. do it by the military, mm-hmm. and it was right after. Barack Obama got um, elected. He, 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 I mean, he just literally like three weeks after he got elected. And uh, it was interesting because I didn't grow up in military culture and it's base culture. Have you ever been on military bases? No, I never. It's, it's, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in the, the American culture, it's, it's very like a lot of fast food, a lot of like, um, just not nice white people, basically. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, it's <laughs> I get it's, it. It's it's uh, they uh, especially the uh, off officer officer the officer class. Um, they just the idea that they were going to have to call a black guy, you know, the commander in chief. They didn't seem too no, into that. No, but. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed their uncomfortableness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's just kind of how I am. But um, it was interesting going there and uh, playing there for the troops. And I always, I've always said it. I am anti-war. I am anti-just um, stupid violence. Sometimes you have to defend yourself, and it is what it is when there's aggressors out there. But uh, I've always been pro-troop the people who make that choice, even though a large part of them are very conservative and I don't agree with them on many things, I do agree with them that they should be honored for their sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I've always been like that. Mm. Wow. Even when it's upset people on the right and the left, you know, I just, I would go to anti-war rallies and then I would go to pro-troop rallies and, (laughs) and 
I didn't see a conflict, whereas mm. a lot of people think you have to see it one way or another. Yeah. I don't. I think there's compromise. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, you're also a, a gay rights activist. Am I? That's what I read. <laughs> oh, I saw. I saw that you in 2010. You expressed your support for gay marriage. Did I? Did you? You did. Oh, I, I, I'm sure I did. I'm sure, I, I researched I, you. I I don't know where you found that. Um, I did in 20 in 2010. Well, in the 90s, yeah. I I I spoke at, at a U.S. Senate uh, uh-huh. subcommittee mm-hmm. on on. Uh, uh, a, a thing that was called the deadbeat dad mm-hmm. uh, rule or law that never built, that never became a law that would uh, go after deadbeat dads and deadbeat moms mm-hmm. who weren't paying their fair share. So, yeah, I was a child's right. Um, now, I've always been like pro, you know, whatever anybody mm. wants to be. Okay. Yeah. If you're not hurting people, what do I care? (laughs) I don't. You know, I never understood the conflict. Yeah. If God has a problem with it, he'll deal with it. He's God. Yeah. That's right. I've never understood why people have to make it a thing where they turn it into like some people's idea of what love is, and they find love and happiness. Mm. Why do you got to turn that into hate? I don't understand Mm. it. I do understand it, but I don't agree with it. It's just Mm. it's one of the words. Worst aspects of, of human behavior. I'm asking all the questions today, aren't I? Yeah, but but I've never. No one's ever said so. You're a gay rights activist. I'm like, okay. I am an ally. Yes, but I'm pretty pretty straight. Mm, mm. My daughter says she's um, bisexual, mm-hmm. but every 12 or 14, 15 year old thinks they're bisexual. Mm. <laughs> mm. You guys got kids? Yeah, yeah. And they're all like, oh. I'm I'm non-binary. <laughs> okay, this is my friend. His name's Elm. And his name used to be Amelia. I'm like I remember Amelia. So Amelia's Elm now, and it's like I need a cheat sheet so I can remember all these all these kids. Wow! But you know what? I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. And it irritates a lot of adults, but to me, it's just these kids are just trying to express themselves mm-hmm. and they're trying to find their way and they're trying to be unique mm-hmm. and they're doing it without fear and they're challenging you know people who just have closed minds and I think that that's great yeah. so I, I I do consider myself an LGBTQ <laughs> uh, activist well, I wouldn't say I'm an activist but mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm an ally yeah. for sure <laughs> wonderful wonderful I'm glad um so I want to touch on. Oh, you went back to college in your fifties. So you went and got a psychology degree. Well, I'm working on my psychology degree. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm about a year, year and a half away from getting the psychology degree, but I'm about one semester away from getting my um, uh, alcohol drug certification, which is the equivalent to half of a, a BA or BS, which is an uh-huh. AA. And I've already got an AA in journalism from. When I was in my twenties, so I went back to college thirty-seven years later, mm. which was incredibly hard. It's it's hard, mm. and even though it's online, um, yeah, it's. But and I at the same time I uh, spent a year and a half doing a really intensive uh, uh, master life coaching course, um, and. Uh, I've got three certifications of that. Mm-hmm. So 
I work with um, I'm I, my practice is actually starting to grow and I work with people who work in the creative industries because mm-hmm. that's what I know yes and I work with a lot of people that have you know things that I've went through uh, alcohol drug um, recovery and also um, mental health issues and just how it is being a person in the modern day and trying to make a living as a creative mm. it's, it's, it's hard and it's I think everything is hard, but this this is a unique thing that I think I have per, a good perception on. Mm-hmm. So, perspective rather, and um, mm. yeah, so that's fun. I'm doing that. I'm gonna have, have a raspberry. some fruit. I'm gonna have a raspberry. Delicious. But we have sushi. I know you keep trying to put your sushi <laughs> on me. So, if, if you could go back in time um, to your younger self, like what piece of advice would you give to the younger art? Like, would you change anything or? Don't marry your third wife. Okay. <laughs> Have sex with her. She was beautiful. So three's the but don't, no yeah. magic number. Well, that's what they say. They say, right, three's the magic number. Actually, my fourth wife, I've been with her for going on 19 years. Okay. And Congrats. And, yeah, and it's been phenomenal. But the third wife was the trophy wife, the one my mom didn't like her at all. It's funny when my mom, my mom's from the South, right? Okay. She's kind of a hillbilly, but she lived most of her life in California because that's where they moved to and that's where her kids live and she wasn't going to live somewhere where her kids and her grandkids were. And um, But when she met my hot young model girlfriend, she's like, so I go, what do you think of her? And she's like, well, boy, <laughs> she's pretty. I get it. She got a figure on her. I get it. I go, but what do you really think about her mom? And uh, she goes, I expect her to go, well, I don't know. I just met her. I guess she's okay. And she just, my mom just stops and she just looks at me and she goes, you really want to know what I think? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, no. But of course I couldn't back down. I'm like, yeah, what do you think about her mom? And she's like, well, I think that pretty girl over there is dumber than a bag of hammers and meaner than a bag of snakes, and she's going to try to take you for everything you got. But baby, you're going to figure that out. She was right. Listen to your mother. Listen, <laughs> Listen to your mother. Listen to your mother. Okay. But um, I um, my mom passed away in in 2006. Okay. Yeah, and you know what was her name? Eleanor. Eleanor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My daughter's name. Is that your daughter's yeah, yeah. name? How do you spell it? E-L-E-A-N-O-R. Yeah, that's how she spelled it. Yeah, that's that's very special for me. Just saying that name is very emotional for me. My mom um, loved me fiercely from the moment I was born to the mm-hmm. moment she died. She was crazy. <laughs> like, bordering on psychotic at times. Mm-hmm. But, and she loved me and she loved my brother. My, my sisters. Yeah. <laughs> she was raised in the South where they put big value. She comes, she was the 11th of 13 children. Really? Wow. It basically killed her mom having, like, she had 13 children mm. in like 17 years. My father came from a family of 12. Why? But he's the only one here, and the rest are all in Greece. Also, half of them have passed oh, away. Oh, okay. So he's from Greece. Yeah. So okay. my father, yeah, my parents were both Greek. Okay. So they're both Greek. My my grandfather came over 
on the boat after World War One, mm-hmm. right? After the Turks got defeated, but, in large thanks to the the Anzac forces, uh-huh. um, and uh, he met a girl on the boat that didn't like him. But her parents <laughs> saw that my grandfather had money to start a business, so they kind of a forced marriage. Okay, and uh, she had two children and. My dad was born in New Hampshire. Okay. Right? But um, never learned how to speak English. And my, my grandmother wow. ran away with a door-to-door salesman when my dad was two. And my grandfather did what the men, all the men in my family, they he abandoned his children by putting them on a boat with a nanny and shipped them off to Greece to be raised so he could wow. he could remarry and just start over. Oh, that's that's my family right there, and um, so yeah. So that's awful. I broke that cycle of not taking care of your children because my mother raised me to be different. My mother raised me that she's like even as a kid, she's very passive aggressive about it. She'd be like, you know, son, a real man, <laughs> a real man doesn't move to the other side of the country and marry someone else's and raise somebody else's kids. Totally, which my dad did. Um, you know, a real man realizes that people change, and even though you don't want to be married anymore, you move down the street and you raise your children mm. together. Yeah. That's and that's what I've always that's always been my mantra. And uh, with my oldest daughter, um, me and her mom got divorced when she was five or six, and uh, I uh, and. Uh, just, she's never been the same. Mm. You know, it, she's damaged from it. She doesn't have a relationship with me, or or with her mom. Okay. But my youngest daughter, me and her mom are more in love today mm. than we were when we met. I think. And uh, yeah, like wow. like I said, when I was walking up, she FaceTimed me as a, before I, I walked in the room. Yeah. She's like. I want to talk to you. Yeah. I go, what's wrong? <laughs> Nothing. I just want to talk to you. I'm like, I got to do an interview. <laughs> She's like, you said this was your day off. I go, I'm not singing today. Well, I guess I am singing today. But um, <laughs> just fun. Like, that's not. That's not a day. Yeah. But if you asked my wife, she she'd have told you guys, no way. No way. He's not coming. Okay. No. Nope. So I'm um, going back to the Greek thing. So my, on my mum's side, her grandfather left the whole family, went to New York, kept sending the money home, lived there for 30, 40 years with another woman, created another family. Of course. And then when she left him, he came back in his older years for um, my mum's grandmother to look after him again. Oh. And he showered everyone, all the village, with gifts and he helped them rebuild the village where my mum came from. Well, at least he did that. Um, my dad didn't but he, do anything. Yeah, he kept sending money back but yeah he lived his old life back in Greece and she took him back she took him back (laughs) (laughs) and she never remarried or had a boyfriend no nothing yeah yeah see that's for the birds Mm. you know my mom I gotta give it to my mom my mom uh, never changed her name her last name from Alexakis and uh, you know she's very white Irish Descended. Uh-huh. Her last name was Bess, which is a Dutch name. But um, and people would ask her, and she's like, 
I want to have the same name as my children. Exactly. And that's old school. I love it. Mm. I feel the same way. Do you have any other connection to Grace? I I just went for the first time last April. Did you? My whole family, my wife. Now, my wife is a quarter Greek Mm -hmm. or an eighth Greek. Yeah, she's an eighth Greek. And uh, so my youngest daughter is Greek for me. She's a quarter Greek because I'm half Greek. Uh And... uh, uh, yeah, and my daughter had like learned all this Greek on Duolingo, and wow. she, she was using it everywhere. And um, you know, I, I can I can say Takanas, that's about it. Kelly <laughs> Meta. Oh. Yeah, I, I know about four words. Um, okay. But uh, my daughter did really really well, and it was magical. Athens was amazing. Mm. I wish I could find them on my phone. There's some shots. I do. Uh, I do twelve step meetings. You know, I'm I'm, I'm involved in twelve step recovery, mm-hmm. and I was doing a meeting with my guys. But I had to get up at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning to do the evening mm-hmm. one. There, here it's kind of the same thing. It's seventeen or nineteen hours different. As a matter of fact, I've got a meeting at two o'clock. Okay. <laughs> or no, no. I like your armband. Three o'clock. Yeah, someone gave it to me at the first show. Oh, great! So I wore, I'm going to wear it the whole tour. Yeah. Someone gave. I've it got to some me. Vegemite for you. No, you can, you can keep no, it. don't you want it? Not even a little bit. Tim Tams, I've got some Tim Tams. Tim Tams, too much sugar. I'll tell you what. Oh. You, I'll tell you what you can do you have them, here. Give them to your daughter. Put them in your suitcase. I have Tim Tams. <laughs> I have Tim Tams. I'll what? tell you what she wants and what I love is, and you don't have it anywhere. What's that? One of the things that people like in Australia is black licorice. Whereas oh, I can get you some black the licorice. The they don't. <laughs> what I've got is is the chocolate bullets. Mm. With the chocolate. Oh, cup. go and get a whole heap of them. They're I did. everywhere. Stop telling me what to do. <laughs> okay. I've been married four times. I don't need this. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with the women telling me what to do. I, I've got, I've got for all my friends. I've got like ten bags of, uh, I forget his name, but the guy's name on it, but. But they're really good. Did you and find the white chocolate ones as well? The, well no, yeah. I don't like white chocolate. Okay. Uh, that's not chocolate. That's almond. So there's bullets, and they've even got long chocolate ones. Ooh, just like a big stick? Yep. Oh, they're there. Go look for them. <laughs> that sounds that sounds more manly, right? No. <laughs> but um, no, I, 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 love, I, I love a lot of things about Australian culture. The main thing is that this is one of the only countries in the world that likes Americans. Really? Yeah, and American mm. culture. You guys make a great hamburger. Mm. No one else in the world does, except for America. I'm serious. Yeah. And even Canada. Canada can't make a hamburger to save their life. <laughs> and you guys are more of a co- coffee culture mm. than a tea culture. Like like yeah. New Zealand is more Brit. Don't, would you yeah. agree? Yeah, yeah. Like you guys are still pissed off at the Brits for making you a penal colony, <laughs> which I don't blame you. <laughs> And then you get to Tasmania, and that's a whole different story. <laughs> You're not playing Tasmania. <laughs> not on this story. We did. We did okay. three years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, we did three years ago, and we. we pl- I remember we played there in '97, '96, '97, and it was out of control. We played the uni- university down there. It was like three thousand kids, no. and I just was like, I just said, you guys, so you 
people are just descended from the worst cutthroats and thieves because that's what it was, right? That Mm -hmm. like they sent everybody over here for transportation, Mm -hmm. but then the worst of the worst, you guys sent to Tasmania. Yeah, and and which is really funny because everyone there is nothing but super polite, Mm -hmm. you know, and really nice. It just shows you the uh, you know survival of the fittest. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Out. It's been amazing. You come. Are we here. done? I think we're done. But, but um, you're gonna make me sing. Oh, can I? Yeah. Just one. Okay. Just one song on your day off. Is is that okay? Of course. Do I have any choice? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Not really. <laughs> so there you oh. go. See, I. I I I, I, su- I, succ- I succumb to the in- inevitable, man. Yeah, I've been like I said, I've been married four times. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I know how to make it work. <laughs> so, what, what do you want? What do you want to hear? What song would you like to sing? Don't ask me. I love local girl. I'm not playing local. No. Um, <laughs> Too hot. Come to our show. Come to I'm our show. Coming, I'm coming. You coming? Yeah. Which one? Tomorrow night? Saturday. 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 Which one is that? Chelsea. Chelsea. Hart. Chelsea. Hart. Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Is that closer to here? Just down the road. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely play that. Yeah, but um, what what do you want to hear? I've always loved Santa Monica. It's a hit. But then I love Heroin Girl. I <laughs> love Heroin Girl acoustic. But I know, I know, well. I don't want to hear that. But see this on the other side of this album. There's an acoustic. You do acoustic on this one, and I killed this CD completely. Have you ever seen? Yeah, I used to love that Heroin Girl on that is amazing. But I don't remember it. <laughs> Anyway, but I, I would go Santa Monica. Is that okay? I That's love cool. Santa Monica. I think everyone would love to hear Santa Monica. Okay. Okay. The only song we don't play on here, well, we don't play Pennsylvania's or Sparkle anymore, but we play Fire Maple Song, Santa Monica, Loser Mix Good, we play that, Heroin Girl. Um, you want to hear Santa Monica? I would love yeah, to. Now, do you want me to pass it to you? Uh, I'll get it. I can get it. Yeah, Ma. Yeah, Ma. Yeah, more. Yeah, Lovely. Oh. Let me let me just hear what it sounds like. Check, check, check. <clears throat> it's early morning for me. It's going to be a little scratchy, but let's try this. I'm still living with your ghost Lonely and dreaming of the West Coast I don't want to be your downtime I don't want to be your stupid game With my big black boots and an old suitcase Do believe I find myself a new place I don't want to be the bad guy I don't want to do your sleepwalk dance anymore I just want to see some palm trees Go away, 
trying to shake your disease We can live beside the ocean Leave the fire behind Swim out past the breakers Watch the world die We could live beside the ocean Leave the fire behind Swim out past the breakers Watch the world die Am I doing okay? See if I can remember the rest of this I am still dreaming of your face Oh, hungry and hollow All the things you took away I don't want to be your good sign I don't want to be your far back crut anymore Walk right out into a brand new day yeah. Insane arousing in my own weird way yeah. I don't want to be the bad guy I don't want to do your sleep, walk, dance anymore I just want to see some sunshine I just want to find some place to be alone Beside the ocean, leave the fire behind. Swim out past the breakers, yeah, watch the world die. We could live beside the ocean, leave the fire behind. Swim out past the breakers, watch the world die. Yeah, watch the world die. Yeah, watch the world die Oh, yeah Come on, watch the world die You went a little attitude at the end there, man It's rock and roll You're very welcome Oh, wow Oh, We've come to an end now Oh, am I on? Oh, I was going to talk about the last tours that you're on. What tour? Oh, so you're just finishing up. So you've got Mount Evelyn on the Thursday. Right. And then you've got the Croxton on Friday. Right. And then you've got the Chelsea Chelsea Heights. Mm -hmm. Um, Torquay. Yeah. Torquay's sold out. Huh? It's sold out. Yeah, Torquay's sold out and... uh, Croxton? Ah, the Croxton's doing pretty good, but okay. I don't think it's sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in so we we've done it in like like you know we did um, Gold Coast, uh-huh. Ipswich, Brisbane, Townsville, and then we did Sydney, yeah, Cosford, Newcastle, That's and it. all that. And in the first two, in the first bunch, we sold out two shows: Gold mm-hmm. Coast and Brisbane. Mm-hmm. We sold out two shows. Um, Sydney and I think Gosford and I think here we've got one sold out and there's another one that might be close okay and then we have uh, I think it's Dunkray that's sold out Miami Marquetta you played it that, what's that, that, that the Indian, Miami yeah, yeah I've been to that 
place. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah that was cool, fun. It? Yeah, it was it's like cool. A, it's like a warehouse, you know. It's mm-hmm. an old factory. So well, nice. what city was that in? That was Gold Coast. Gold Coast, yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's cool. And that's right. That's the one that has all the food outside. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. people making. Yeah. It had amazing Thai food. <laughs> <laughs> These people. Okay. It was great. Yeah. 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 No, it's been a great tour, man. Every show has just been really phenomenal. We haven't had a bad show. Uh-huh. That's great. You know? Oh, I mean, the great. first two or three were hard because of the the um, the jet lag. Mm. Yeah, it, yeah, it hits especially. me. It hits all of us hard. We're all, you know, I'm I'm the oldest guy, but everybody in the band is in their 50s. Mm-hmm. Freddie's 58, 59. Yeah. It's going to be 59 this year yeah. in November. Yeah. And um, Davey's 57. I'm and, 50 you know, this year. Yeah, so... Yeah, and we all look pretty good, you know. Um, So, anyway, thank you for joining us here at Radio Karam and, you know, making the journey here. Um, It's been a treat, and I really appreciate you coming in. Like, it's so nice of you to come in and, you you know, you have written and recorded some, you know, truly iconic tracks, and, you know, it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. So, good luck with everything. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. I'm Fiona Lee Maynard and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is what I do whenever I'm anywhere near Seaford Karam High School and Eel Race Road. Don't worry about a thing Cos Atticus Health will make you feel alright Don't worry about a thing Cause Atticus Health Will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache Or you don't feel right Or if you have a nasty rash Keeping you up at night Don't worry About a thing Don't worry Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright <laughs> Radio Karam, don't worry about a thing Cause Dr. Atticus says we'll make you feel alright <laughs>